This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey here for Federated Insurance. Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making. Business owners are the backbone of our economy, creating jobs and employing hundreds of thousands of our fellow citizens. Federated Insurance exists to serve the evolving risk management and insurance needs of safety and loss-conscious business owners. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. But we know we got to get a lot better. And, uh, you know, I've been on teams that have started fast and and not, you know, not, not made the playoffs. So I think... That's a good, um, you know, we have a lot of guys in this team that have, have had that experience to know that, hey, we got to stay on top of it. we got to keep getting better. Uh, the teams that uh, find ways to get better throughout the season are the teams that, that you know, do things in, in, in the end of the season and that allows them to go deep into the playoffs. So uh, we got to kind of take advantage of this bye week and then, and then go back to work. Should we do it? Should we wave it? There you go. Five and one. Five and one. Bobbleheads in play as well. Thank you, Stella. She brought the flag in. She was playing with it. There it is. Five and one. The Vikings far from perfection, but at this point in time, i got to be honest, uh, by week, uh, two games up, really three games up on the Green Bay Packers who lost to the Jets. What the hell? Right, Declan Goff? What the hell? The Vikings are, are um, I believe this is as far as they've been in the driver's seat since 2017, which is the last time that they won the division. And, of course, that team went 13-3 and and went all the way to the conference championship game. We won't talk about what happened in Philadelphia there. Uh, but the Vikings are, they're certainly not playing great, but what they are doing with Kevin O'Connell now in his first year is winning football games. Welcome into Mackie and Judd. Fill out, uh, if you did not see his tweet, his dad uh, passed away, I think, Late Saturday, our thoughts and prayers are with our colleague. Phil's a great guy, a great friend. Um, and and I do want to say this. He has passed along that he appreciates the support that, that a lot of you folks have uh, have provided him on Twitter. So thank you very much. We, we do have a family here at Score North and, of course, uh, Purple Daily as well. Um, it's a tough time. Phil, I think we'll be back at some point this week, but nonetheless, thank you for, for your support of our friend. It means a lot to him and it also means a lot to us. All right, Declan Goff, uh, let's get to it. It is time for, as it is every Monday at this time, as the YouTube audience can see Vikings statements, statements about a five and one team. Mm-hmm. Statements about a team uh, that I think it's safe to say could borrow a, a, a phrase that was used a lot 
way before your time by the 1983 AL West Division champion Chicago White Sox winning ugly. That was their their credo as they uh, uh, went to the ALCS back then was we don't care how we do it and we acknowledge we are winning ugly, but we are at that time winning baseball games, Vikings doing the same thing in football. So let's start. What is your first statement off the Miami game? All right, so my first statement off the Vikings win over the Dolphins and the fact the Vikings are now 5-1 and one heading into the bye week is I do not care. I do not care, though, in this regard, Judd. Not that I do not care that the Vikings are 5-1. and one. I do not care about these things. Okay. I don't care that the defense is allowing 400-plus yards to Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. I do not care that the uh, that Kirk Cousins is off to his slowest statistical start of his NFL career. I do not care that the offense is going three and out still. I do not care that the Vikings kicker seems to still have a little bit of shakiness to his game. I do not care about most of that stuff because the Vikings are 5-1 and one and sit firmly up top of the NFC North and are in the driver's seat to win the NFC North and are 5-1 and one winning games ugly and winning games regardless of the outcome, winning games regardless of the situations. I do not care right now about some of the warts that are there. Now, is there some things that could pop up and percolate that you have to figure out during this self-bye week and then going forward against other opponents after the bye week? Of course there are. But I do not care that the Minnesota Vikings uh, have some warts here and there. I care about that they have won five of their first six games. The Vikings are 5-1 and one in the season, and that's all I care about. Winning is winning. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you not care about... The, the fact that those problems are in the first six games in which they have won five of the six, but do you care going forward? Because, like, I do care that they get some things. For sure. Uh, that they get some, that, that there are areas of improvement in the stuff that you just said, uh, except for Kirk. For the Kirk things, the Kirk thing, I'm not going to, I'm not going to obsess about his stats because I feel for far too long that's been the ultimate defense of Kirk and it's it's not been uh, because, you know, because the record is good or bad. Um, do you care about going forward, though, that a lot of those things get at least improved? Not for sure. Completely. I don't, okay. yeah, I, it, it's in the limelight of, of the first six games of, well, well, I don't know, this bender map break defense or, oh boy, you know, no. they're, they're three, no, they you have figured out ways to win games. You've overcome that adversity. You've overcome some murkiness and some muddiness, and you still figure out ways to win games. So, yes, figure out some things. Clean some things up. Go into the bye week 5-1 and one and sitting pretty right now. That's, that's, a good, that's a good feeling to have. And don't yes. take it for granted, obviously, because you're still going to come out. You, got to play, you have to play the Cardinals at home. you got to go on the road. The Buffalo Bills matchup now seems like gonna be, it's going to be a lot more fun of a game. Um, there's still some tough things on this Viking schedule, right? There's yes. still a lot of tough things, but at the same time, you have found ways to win games. So I, I, I do not care right now about all that murky stuff because you're 5-1, and one, you're going to the bye week on top of the NFC North. Yes, in, in fact, I'll play off that with this statement okay. six games in, okay? You have found a way. And so I, I feel like we get to the end of the, these games, and these, these Vikings games are very reflective of this entire league. Like, these games are going on constantly. If you're a Vikings fan, you are hyper-focused, and you should be on your team's game. But if you were to go to an arbitrary games elsewhere and, like, watch that game, you would say, this is sort of crappy. This isn't This isn't great. This is filled with flaws. This league, you know, as I said on PD, the Chiefs and Bills are not reflective of this league. 
Like, that is great football. And that is great to watch. Um, that's not a reflection of what's really going on, though. Like, that is the... That's like going to Edina and saying, this is Minnesota. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, 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 no. Those big houses are not reflective of my house, your apartment, whatever, right? So, so um, the difference... I think between the 2021 Vikings and the 2022 Vikings is not just all simple luck. Well, they're getting luck this year and they didn't last year because you're creating your luck and you're also like with Kirk, you're coming through when you have to. That's where I don't get obsessed with the stats. Just go, you know, I mean, just look at Kirk's stats and and look at how many times he put up stats when the Vikings were down by, 14 points or 17 points. And right. you know what? At that point in time, I don't care about that. Um, and so I think there is a stark contrast in the fact that this coaching staff and this team is finding ways to win games that maybe they shouldn't win. And yes, it'd be nice if they would pull away from the Lions and Bears. I get that. Um, but a year ago, they sabotaged themselves. They sabotaged themselves. And when you sabotage yourself, you do not create luck. Uh, the, in my opinion, the last... Vikings team that created its luck and fortune and then and then you start to get it. That's the other thing, right? In sports, fortune comes your way if you if you do the right things to get it. Uh was the 2017 Vikings. That team, yes, Keenum stepped in and played great and that was a one season thing. But they created a lot of their fortune and good for them and it worked. 19 the 19 team was solid and really good defensively. Um but I really think that this is the first time that the Vikings have put themselves in a position to get fortuitous bounces their way, and then they do, and that's awesome. But you are what your record says you are, and the Vikings are 5-1 and one in large part, I think, because they have come through when it matters most, you know, i.e. the Cousins' comebacks. I'll take those comebacks all day over, uh, man, did you see Kirk's stats, but the Vikings lost. Exactly. So my, that's my statement. Okay, I like it. I'm with you on this. I like it. All right, I'll give you another statement here as well. Uh, it's kind of funny to bring up because, you know, we've sometimes questioned this guy, but dare I say, Kirk Cousins is becoming likable. Look at this guy. I know. I agree with this. Look at this guy. I love this statement. Look at this guy. I Put know. the chain on. The pants tucked in for our YouTube audience, for our podcast audience. Yes, if you did not see this clip circulating around, it is Kirk Cousins with his white T-shirt tucked into his pants with That's numerous awesome. chains on from I don't know which players. I'm guessing they're not Kirk players, but living his best Kirk white dad life right now. And That's Derisaw's chain, right? Like at, at the bottom? I don't. The spinner I, the, chain? The one of them the, might be Derisaw's, but clearly the other two aren't. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. The, the, other two, okay. the other two are whoever's. I don't know who they are, but Kirk Cousins... Yes. He's becoming incredibly likable. He just seems so much more comfortable. And yes, he yes. had a cantankerous coach for his first Vikings tenure. He was playing in Washington before that, uh, which is just a dumpster fire, basically, of an organization. He just finally seems a lot more likable. There's still, you know, some of the tense Kirk moments, you know, the 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 hands on the helmet trying to hear the play like well, he he's does, trying you know. To hear he's trying to hear things, defense. you know, and and but body language wise in general, you know, there there's always been things about him that yes. um that have obviously caused panic or and cause for concern cuz he doesn't really, you know, epitone this this level of cool that, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen have or this swagger that they have. But right, right now Kirk Cousins is becoming a very likable figure. I've been watching this clip over and over again. That's why I keep hilarious. playing it on our YouTube channel cuz it's just hilarious. It's peak 
awkward, hilarious white guy Kirk, but it works for him. It works for Kirk Cousins. So that's what's that's what's so incredible to me. So my my statement is Kirk Cousins is becoming likable. I'm just delighted that you brought this up because one is and I I think I talked about this going back to training camp, like at the podium where where he, he had become clearly more comfortable being Kirk. Uh, and here's what I love, because I agree completely again with you on this, is that it is like we are now seeing Kirk just be Kirk. And and I don't know if it's a combination of things. That's my guess. But, I mean, you know, he clearly now is being embraced um, by his coach. Because I, I, don't, I don't know his teammates ever didn't embrace him. Like, do I think that, that he could be a Brady type of take the team and lead them? No, personally, I don't. Um, but I don't think, I think for the most part, he's all, he's been just sort of liked, right? Like he's just a, he's not a bad guy. Um, he's a weird guy, but he's not a bad guy. But I think the fact that his coach didn't like him and it was just so clear. And I don't think Kirk had the ability to overcome that and say, well, I really don't care what you think, Mike, I'm going to be Kirk, but he is now. And it's great fun to watch. It's great fun to watch the fact that he is just embracing being a geek, and he's a geek. I think the most important thing, and it's hard at times, but I think the most important thing in, in life is to embrace your personality. Yes. And, like, your personality doesn't, like, you can't decide it. Like, like you don't get to say, you know what? I'm Judd Zolgate. I'm super cool. I'm going to go around being cool. Because then you're just an idiot. Yeah. Um, like, I embrace, and I, I think you do the, the exact same thing. I embrace who I am. It's just who I am, and it's funny, and I'm weird, um, and and I like that. And it feels like Kirk Cousins is doing that now, and I will say this. What dovetails into that equation is post-game pressers and stuff. There's far more, like, candidness now. Yeah. And it's not – he doesn't have, like, a big edge to him, but I always felt before, like, there was just a certain facade he put up. Um, I don't think – just – as an example, I don't think, Dex, that you would get now, when when he didn't get vaxxed last year, and we were asking him, you know, what's your plan, dude, because you're the quarterback of this team, and if you go, go out, which of course he did in Green Bay, um, I don't think we would get the same responses, and, and for instance, I don't think he would do the, we'll meet out by the goalposts in January if we have to now. Like I think that was a defense mechanism. He knew his coach was pissed off. Yep. He was un- he was clearly uncomfortable. I feel like there's more realness now. I'm not saying he wouldn't say something goofy, but that was just defensive. Go- you know that that yep. wasn't fun. Go- goofy. That was defensive. I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, we'll meet up by the goalpost. That whole facade and that whole demeanor of Kirk Cousins seems to be gone. And I'm with you. It's likable. If he had acted like this from day one. Publicly, I think there would have been a lot more forgiveness and a lot more, you know what, at least you're being real. Because that's what frustrated me. For years, I called him what? The corporate quarterback, right? Yeah. It was as if he was acting the part. This guy's not. This guy's just being like, I'm a goofball. I'm pretty good at throwing the football, but I'm a goofball. It's really I easy. I love your point. It's really easy to spot phoniness and fakeness in people. It's it's yeah. It really is. Um, And there just seemed to be a lot of, of um, phoniness to him before. And not embracing who he is, which is just kind of this dorky guy, which is fine. I'm a dork in ways. I'm a lot of. I'm a dork in a lot of ways, not just a yeah, little ways. Are. I'm so a dork. Am I, but yeah. You are. And 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 look, we are also you and I and Phil. We're in a personality driven business. Okay, 
So we, we are in, uh, we, it is our job to use our personality also to convey in our rhetoric and convey into our points we're making. And then when you meet us at Surly Brewing Company, which we saw yesterday with so many great Purple Daily and Score North fans, we are who we are. We're not any fake to you. We'll, we'll talk to you. We are, we are the exact same. I got so many of the, wow, you're, you're a lot like I, this is weird talking to you in person because like, you know, I watch you and see you every day, but this is, this is an interesting little conversation that we're having, right? And that's fine. That, that, that's good. I want to embrace everyone, and I, I'm going to be who I am. That's And Kirk should do the same, by the way. Kirk should be this kind of funny, is. awkward dad and who drives a minivan and listens to Creed and takes yeah. rocks out of a jar and cooks weird mystery That's meat. a little weird, yes. That part's a little weird. But yes, but be that guy. Don't don't be anything you're not. All right, Judd. Um, my next statement? Is it me or is it I you? it's mine. You. No, I think you, I think you did Kirk. Me and right. you. All right, go. My next statement, <laughs> Phil. Phil, that was very Phil. Is, is it back up? to me? Um, the devil is in the details. Ooh, I like it. Of situational football. Like All right, it. so why did the Vikings win? Yes, the Dolphins were without their tackles, tight end. There were a lot of there were there were things that definitely factored in the Vikings' way. The Dolphins were undisciplined, took penalties. Um, but let me give you some of the key stats. Okay. So, like, if you're just like, well, the Vikings got fortunate; they shouldn't have won that game, and we could say that. That's fine. The Vikings forced three turnovers opportunistic we like to call it in football sudden change sudden change presents opportunity okay three turnovers is very important third down the miami dolphins four of 14 that's damn good so third down and you know what if memory serves a lot of that was third and long but because the pass rush was there okay so four for 14 on third down on the road in the heat get off the field Right. The Vikings did. And the last one, and this has been a problem until now, but on Sunday it wasn't. The defense gave up 73 yards rushing. So, like, when 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 you just say, well, that was an ugly game and the Vikings got fortunate, those details that I just gave you are all very key reasons. And, and I know we expect more from the offense, and I know it had an off day for sure. But Kevin O'Connell wasn't solely brought here to like have a high flying offense. Kevin O'Connell was brought here to as Declan keeps saying win football games. Mm-hmm. And if the defense pulls its weight more than the offense for a week and everybody on defense was awarded a game ball so it did. Uh you know what? You were hired to win football games. You need to find ways. The Vikings found ways and those three stats I just ran through are all incredibly important reasons why the Vikings won that game on Sunday on the road in the heat. I'll right, we'll keep it moving here on Vikings statements. Uh, I'll give you another uh, Vikings related one here. Judd Zolgad. Keep bringing the pressure. Keep bringing the pressure. So the Vikings defensive line yesterday, a, a great day for Zadaria Smith. Great day for Daniil Hunter. Uh, 11 total pressures uh, for Zadarius Smith yesterday against the Dolphins. He now is up to 29 on the season. That's actually the second most of any defender in the NFL. So Zadarius Smith was brought in as this bargain player, and oh, I don't know, he's got a bad back, and those are cause for concerns. He fails a physical, backs out of this deal, and now the Vikings kind of get him on this make-good contract, and hey, yeah. maybe it'll be a nice little uh, tag-team pair partner with Daniel Hunter. Well, so far, Zadarius Smith has been great. Even when he was limited in that action against the Saints and battling a knee injury, he still figured out ways to, when he was on the field, to get after the quarterback and get a lot of pressure. So uh, Zadarius Smith with a big day. Daniil Hunter also with a couple sacks yesterday. Um, he has six pressures. He had a 90.7 PFF grade 
on Sunday as well. One so, sack, right? One sack, yeah, one sack, one excuse sack for me, him. for Daniel okay. Hunter. But uh, but the defensive line as a whole, too, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Jones had a big day. You just like saw him. the defensive line finally get after the quarterback, which is what I think we all wanted the Vikings defense to do because it actually has the personnel to do so. Obviously, with the two-headed dragon and Zadarius Smith, and Daniil Hunter, um, but now guys like Patrick Jones stepping up. DJ Wanham has had some flash, some moments too. So I think bringing the pressure, that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to see. You had two backup tackles in for the Dolphins. You had two different quarterbacks that were able to get snaps in yesterday for the Miami Dolphins, and the Vikings defense was in their face all game long. So keep bringing the pressure. Yeah, and I, I had talked about uh, the past two weeks that the bye week would give the Vikings a chance, and Ed Donatel in particular, to take a long self-scout of the defense and try and fi- figure out a way to get more pressures. But it appears they beat me to the punch because the pressure was purposeful. Like, that that was no mistake. It felt like they brought a lot more uh, consistent pressure. So they definitely made some changes there or some tweaks uh, that, that benefited them. The good news is this, Dex. So I, I thought it was going to be a big deal that DJ Wanham didn't play because of illness in that game on Sunday. But Patrick Jones, the second, stepped up, had two sacks and looked great. And now Jones had been playing. But, I mean, I think now he probably plays more. And so the, the more depth, the better, especially because we don't know how long Zadarius is going to be here. But I think the Vikings opened up a door that was really interesting. And you're definitely going to want to uh, – consistently try and bring that type of pressure the interesting thing about that though is coming out of the bye your first games against kyler murray and the cardinals which is you're gonna have to contain him as well but yeah i think for all of the things we saw uh and and talked about in nitpicks on pd today i think that the pressure and what the defensive line did was really impressive and a really good sight and yes smith looked fantastic and I would, I would have to say that that has probably been one of the best signings thus far. Because to your point, it wasn't super expensive, but he has he has come back from a back problem, which in football ordinarily can be a death oh, now. Yeah, and he has looked fantastic. Like that's as much as I didn't expect this much. So yes, it's been uh, for all the things that we can pick apart. That definitely has been good news. Here's my next statement. Okay. And I was glad to see this because the man up until this time had not had a good game, not done a lot. But the chef has returned. The chef was in the kitchen. Dalvin Cook, 53-yard touchdown run late to ice th- that game. Uh, it was a it was the Dalvin Cook type of run, and it was well blocked up. It was really well blocked up. But Dalvin found the hole, pulled away, and that was the speed that I have been talking about now un- until then. So starting in week one and going until that fourth quarter run of 53 yards for a touchdown by Dalvin Cook. That was the speed that I've been saying, where is that? Like that gear, right? Like where's that? And, and we hadn't seen it. And I heard the um, the analyst on the game actually said that he had been told, I don't know if it was by Vikings people or what, but in his preparation for the game on Sunday, he had been told, yeah, the gear's not there. And he said, yeah, it is. And we saw it. That was a really good sign. And I don't know if that gear is consistently there now. And he's just, Cook is getting into a flow of things. Uh, but that was among, if you had to put together like a top five bright spots, right? Pass rush one, because it was outstanding for most of the game. But I think Dalvin Cook's run is up there because it showed us something that until that until he broke away, Declan, we hadn't seen. The chef returned. 
The chef is back. Yeah, actually, that one, one of my statements, too, was uh, needing more explosive plays from Dalvin Cook. And and finally, he rips off a big run there. Um, the Vikings forced a turnover right, and they were able to kind of just ice this game away. Kirk Cousins wasn't asked to do a lot in the fourth quarter, but the Vikings offense and the defense did. We talked about in the pie chart of praise on Purple Daily, which you can go find as well, that that, that, that whole fourth quarter was was just a trickle-down effect of great offensive plays, great situational defensive plays, and also obviously great coaching. That that All that comes from coaching. And yeah, some of the football gods are now maybe rewarding the Vikings after having some things go not their way, essentially the last two seasons in clutch time and into the fourth quarter. But in general, you had Dalvin Cook who had a big explosive day, and you need that. You need Dalvin Cook to be much more involved in this offense, and you need him to have explosive plays here and there. He's going to get the rock, you know, 18 to 20 times a game. You know, it's still a little strange. We talked about this on Purple Daily, too, that, you know, he's not getting the football in the passing game, which is a little strange, and you'd like to see him be involved more uh, with some reception and some screen game and some wheel routes, as uh, Judd Zolgad really wants him to do. I like the wheel. I love the wheel route. Who doesn't love the wheel route? I love the wheel route. Doesn't love the wheel route. Uh, but yes, I'd like to see Dalvin Cook uh, get more in there. Uh, Judley, do you have any other Viking statements? Um, let me see here. Let me go through my statements and find out. You know what? I have one more. Okay. I need a good. I I need a good troll job. And I think you have one from Packer Vetline, if that's possible. I need a good. This is one of the great. Save this for Phil too. Yeah. This is one of the great troll jobs all time done on WTMJ in Wisconsin. All right. Let Let's go. Uh, let's go take a look here. Yeah, the, I mean the positive thing that came out of day, out of the day is Skull Vikings, let's win the game. All right, okay, all right. Wait, how do we, we do? Okay, like how do we hang up? Hang up on him? How do we do this? I don't know. <laughs> all right, that's also not allowed. I, I'm with you there, but you. It, this isn't about the Vikings being any better than right. we thought the Vikings <laughs> were. This is about where the Packers are. I can't think of the last time they were at this point. I am. I have a lot of respect for the troll job that Mark just pulled on us, because he was on hold for over forty-five minutes just to sing that like, dumbass yeah. song. Go, Pat, go! That's oh got to go in. That's got to go in top five, right? Oh yeah, that was all-time call. Excellent move. And I love. I love the uh, Judd Zolgad. Hey, how do I hang up with him? I, I don't know what, you did, what to you do. Did now, I I knew how to hang up. You, you actually, know that. You did. <laughs> I knew how to hang up. I could disconnect a caller. But but I like the fact that the host then credited the caller and said the dude hung on for a long time just to do that. But he got a lot of it in. He oh got a really God. decent portion in. That was absolutely fantastic. Head over to Purple Daily 2 for bonus um, Packer vent line oh, calls. It, it was a, a glorious week as the Packers uh, found another way to lose, and, and Packer fans are, are panicking. Absolutely panicking. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Should we transition to more statements from the let's weekend? Let's Yeah, let, let's look at it. Let's right. look ahead. And guess what, Declan Goff? Those are brought to you by our friends at Spiralite Candles. Now, I walked in the house a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I got home from the Wild Game, I think it was, and Dawn was still up. And you know what? The house, the house had an aroma that was absolutely fantastic. It was a burning aroma that was really, really good. And then I looked and I saw Spiralite Candle. There, there was one that was burning in our house, and it is fantastic. Spiralite Candles are a great gift. All right, birthdays. Um, um, anniversaries, they, they, as they say, they burn spirally, but then the best part is once that's done, cause it's very cool to watch you, you get a, another wick, which is a long burning wick. So you basically get two candles for one and 
If you are a fan of the purple, guess what? You've got Judd's Purple Positivity Candle. Five and one. Five and one. And Judd's Purple Positivity Candle is the perfect aroma and perfect candle to burn during a Vikings game. If things are going well, you know what? It's soothing. If things aren't going well, it's really soothing. Check them out at SpiralLightCandles.com. SpiralLightCandles.com for, as I said again, a great gift. And, And the last thing, holidays too. Spiral light would be fantastic around the, the, the house at Thanksgiving and as we approach the holiday season. SpiralLightCandles.com. All right, Dex, uh, what do you have for wild statements? 14 goals against in two games, 0-2. All right, let's uh, first off, let's get our NHL TNT oh, bed I there. Love what you, I love what you're doing there from a production standpoint. All right, Judd, uh, 0-2 start for your Minnesota Wild. Uh, man, scoring goals, uh, but the problem is you're allowing a lot of goals. Uh, Flurry being booed off the ice. Judd Zolgad asking, how does it feel to get booed? I just had to ask the How question. does it feel to get booed? How do you feel when you hear the boos? Yeah, and he says, I boo myself too. Good for Marc-Andre Fleury to have some self-awareness there. Uh, but my statement here, Judd, is changes are coming already. Changes are coming. So we're recording this uh, on a Monday morning, and man, there are some uh, lineup combinations that are being shaken up oh, in St. Paul. You are singing my tune. You're doing line combinations? I'm going to do some line combinations. Off the top this. line, Ryan Hartman has been removed from your top line center. And he was removed halfway through the game on Saturday and moved to right wing. And replacing him between Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello is Tyson Jost. So oh. Tyson Jost is going to Hold get it. a look on the top line center with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. That is super interesting because Freddie Goudreau replaced Hartman on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So this is new. so Jost being moved from the Eck Folino wing to center. Yep. Oh, juicy. So Folino will be with Eck and Hartman too. By the way, on that second line. Folino Eck. Okay, so Hartman's not going back to the Boldy. No. Nope. Uh, uh, um, steel line. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, Goudreau, Steele, Boldy on the Wild's third line. Goudreau, Steele. So Steele center. Mm-hmm. Boldy on the wing, Goudreau on, on the, the wing. wing. So he's moving back to wing after being at center for part of the game. Okay. And then the fourth line of, I believe, Mason Shaw, Connor Dewar, and Brandon Duhame. So uh, Marco Rossi would be your odd man out here, a healthy scratch for uh, the number uh, your first-round pick and one of your best prospects. Also, uh, Philippe Gustafson will get the start as well on Monday against the defending champion Stanley Cup uh, Colorado Avalanche, too. So changes two games in, Judd, and now uh, goaltending and being the biggest culprit, obviously, here, the biggest wart on on the face that is the 0-2 start to the Wild. Still some big-time changes being shuffled here from Dean Evason and our friend of the show, Billy Guerin. All right, a lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack. I'm going to start with the scratch. Marco Rossi took a bad penalty, Saturday, and basically didn't play in the third period. And and he saw, in fact, if I can find the game sheet here quickly, I think I've got it still. I think I held on to my game sheet. Voila, game sheet. Marco Rossi on Saturday logged for the ty- entire game, 4 minutes, 33 seconds. All right, what are we doing here? Um, if you're not going to play him, send him down. I agree. And, and unless you have an explanation from Dean... Uh, who tried to say it was a matchup thing. He's, he's like, the Kings played their lines that, that we were trying to match. They didn't play their fourth line a lot, so we didn't play ours. This is the problem Bill Guerin was talking about when he joined Judd's Hockey Show a year ago and said, Marco Rossi's not going to be a fourth-line guy. 
if he plays, he's going to be an upper echelon line guy because he's because we want to play him. This is defeating the purpose of him being here. Correct. Um, one is Bill Guerin was right. He shouldn't if if he's going to be on the fourth line. I would argue he shouldn't be here. Uh, he had a good enough training camp to be on one of the top three lines. Um, keep in mind, Sam Steele, and I know Sam Steele's. I in, I think in Dean's mind because Dean was a worker. Like Dean was as a player a worker. Uh, he loves the Goudreaux and Steels because yeah. they've had to work, and I get that. But if you are going to basically see Marco Rossi as the silver spoon kid, I, and now he's on the fourth line, and now he's and now he's sitting. I mean, keep in mind. Let Let's give this some context here. I'm going to melt down a little bit. Let's give this some context. Marco Rossi is going to be sitting by Judd Zolgan and Declan Goff in the press box tonight. Okay, that's not right. That ain't right. Um, so either send him down and play him or tell Dean, you know what? We're going to give this kid a chance. And he's going to do some dumb things at times. He's a young player. But here's the here's my problem, Declan. They were, I mean, that team on Saturday was allowing the Kings to do whatever it wanted through the neutral zone defensively. So are you telling me, are you telling me, Dean, that Marco Rossi was like, the you're the problem? Yeah. Come on, Marco Rossi. I mean, if you're not going to play, I've seen this happen to kids. I hate this. I hate this. And when your entire team is playing crappy, to like be like, well, we got to make some changes here. We can't play him. Really? Are you really serious? I mean, Ryan Hartman for two games until he got moved to wing was bleeping awful. Yeah, yeah. I don't get punishing Rossi for it. I just um, look. He's taking a couple penalties for sure. Or just, I just send him down. Why? Why, why even um, just have him sit his butt on the bench and not play him at all for basically forty minutes? I, I didn't. I didn't get that decision at all. And yeah, your goaltending's been terrible, dude. It's been awful. Um, and your offense or your defense too. Not just not just the goaltending because I know Mark Andre's been bad, but like your defense in front of him hasn't been very good at all. But uh, I didn't get the idea of just kind of letting your tenth overall pick and your heir apparent of being maybe your next superstar player just sit there on the bench. If that's the case, yeah, go to Iowa. Tear it up there, and I, I have I have no problem with that. If the team is doing well and Marco Rossi is getting more big time minutes than Iowa, I'm fine with that. I don't think Marco Rossi has to be up here necessarily, but if he's going to be up here, he's got to play. He can't be just sitting on the bench and being in the doghouse for something that's pretty dumb. Yeah, and why aren't we talking about, uh, especially internally? Why aren't we talking about the real problems? I'll I'll give you one. Okay. I'll give you one. Local guy. This should be a feel good. Why aren't we talking about? Alex Goligoski, a minus two on Saturday. Watch him play. Just watch his shifts, okay? Uh, he started he on opening night. He was with Spurgeon back on that Spurgeon. top defensive pairing with Spurgeon, which is where he spent a portion of last season, okay? By game two, he has now uh, replaced Middleton, who's been moved up with Spurgeon, on the third D pair with Addison. Watch Goligoski play. All right. Now I know we're get, I know we're getting into a thousand games. We're getting them to a thousand. But it, but it, but if you're going to scratch people, if you're going to be like, we need to make a change here or there, you know, that's again, that's my problem. Is what's the message here? The young kid is easy to scratch, and I get his faults. But uh, yeah, this is a little bit frustrating. Um, I will give you a statement though, and it's this: I am concerned, and I'm concerned about one guy, Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, 11 goals in two games. Yes, they are not all his fault. Yes, his team has not played well. But as he said, and he's right, and, and you know, this to me was a, a pretty important thing. 
Uh, the fourth goal that he gave up in the first period on Saturday was effing awful. And then he apologized and said, sorry about that. Um, but it was terrible. And he said, the guy had the puck. He was a long way out. Uh, I didn't expect him to shoot right there immediately. And the next thing I know, the puck's on top of me. And I think it deflected off him. There was no screen and went and went in. Um, he's 38 next month, late next month. He looks old. He looks slow. Uh, this is... I mean, when we talked about concern about goaltending decks, I never imagined it being this bad in the first two games. Uh, it's my contention that Gustafson is a guy. He's a backup. He's not a 1B. Like, you know, Talbot was 1B, yeah. Flurry was 1A, or I don't know what, or, or vice versa. Uh, Gustafson's a guy. He is a backup. Um, I am concerned about Flurry. I'm concerned about goaltending. And it is very deflating when you are allowing as many bad goals uh, like you need your defense is playing bad, but sometimes you got to save their bacon, right? Yep. They ain't they ain't getting their bacon saved much, if at, at all. And flurry, flurry looked flummoxed to me after Saturday's game. Flummox, I like that word. Uh, yeah. In terms of lowest goal saved above expect above expected, excuse me, which is a goaltending analytic um, that kind of yep. takes where goalies are positioned and where the shots are coming from and. Are you stopping basically league average shots? So far, Mark Andre Fleury is the worst graded goaltender through two games when it comes to goals saved above expected. He has allowed negative five point nine, which we'll just call it six. So six of his goals that he has allowed this season have come from areas that he has to make a stop. He has to make a stop. It, it, it's not wow. like it, it's asking so a lot. Nine? Well, minus five point nine, which is I'm rounding it up minus, to six. Oh, okay. Wow. So so six goals that he has allowed this season are are from terrible areas he's got to make that save it, it's it's from an area that absolutely should be an expected save it's it's not a high danger area it's an area that he has to make the stop and he has allowed six goals i believe a 14 as he allowed 14 goals i believe through the two games or something damn near close to it um he's it's been bad it's been bad yeah and you need mark andre Fleury to hopefully play better um and i mean it it doesn't get any easier here by the way you're playing the colorado avalanche you have the boston bruins too on your first road Canucks. game Canucks are going to be here on Thursday, so it it could be uh, some rough sailing here for the Minnesota Wild uh, so far. And I I wouldn't, so I don't, and I don't think it's fair. Gustafson is not, I mean, he's going to start against the the abs, but I mean, he ain't the type of guy I'm going to say, hey, can you stand on your head? That's why, I mean, you put a lot of faith in Flower, and look, it's two games, I get that, but man, he's just looked bad. All right, I'll give you a positive statement here, though. Okay, on good. the Minnesota Wild, that is. Yeah, Matt Boldy's legit, dude. Woo. Um, through the first two games of the season, four goals. The two goals against Shusterskin were damn impressive. The second one being very, very. I mean, not many players can just undress um, what probably will be the Vesna winning goaltender like that. He's making plays. He's setting players up. He's got a demeanor about him that has been very damn impressive. That I have loved a lot. Um, yeah. so far, Corsi four again, two games. So we are in a very small sample size. Um, but he has a 77% Corsi 4, meaning when he is on the ice, he is creating more shot attempts than he is allowing, um, which is a significant number. Now, that number will definitely come down, but last year he had a Corsi 4 of 56%. He's a guy that drives possession. He's a guy that shoots the puck a lot. He's a guy that looks like he's going to be an absolute next stud for this team. I know a lot of comparisons were being made between him and Fiala because of who made who, and that was the 1A talking point of Valley Sports North on, on Saturday, which, by the way, I don't... There was some shade being thrown back. to Kevin Fiala, and it just it it 
you're was back. not necessary. You're back on the Bally's train. Because uh, I'm paying for it. I, I, I know to, you I, are. That's I what to, I'm saying. I need to watch it. So, um, yeah. so yeah. When, and, and I just I didn't understand the whole. The, what shade? The shade was, uh, well, Kevin Fiala now signs a long-term deal. He's got to be the man. You know, the Wild were wise to sign to short-term deals here and there and let him kind of be his health. And I just, I didn't understand the shade of throwing. So they don't think he'll succeed because he's comfortable? Yeah, because he's comfortable. It's a dude that had 89 points last year and was your best player, not named Kirill Kaprizov for the last three seasons, okay? A dynamic player. And uh, and I just didn't appreciate the shade. I don't think it's very necessary. Well, Coming up next, how Kevin Fiala shut up Valley Sports North because he had a goal to assist and was a plus three yeah, on Saturday. He was an absolute stud. So uh, congratulations, Kevin. Tell me we didn't spin that stinker into a positive. Uh, I don't. I don't watch the post game. I turned that off. I don't. I don't watch post game uh, shows ever. I, they're a humongous waste of time to me. Um, but uh, but but yeah, I, I didn't appreciate that. But Matt Boldy looks like he's pretty damn good. Okay, twelfth overall pick um, in the draft. He has four points through two games. He scored one in the power play as well. He's shooting the puck. Big fan. Bravo to Matt Boldy through the first few games. One of the few. Bright Absolutely. Spots. Absolutely. He's been good. Um, all right. That's all I got. For I don't have a positive. Yeah, I don't have a positive. I've got more, but I don't have a positive. Okay. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it, and I and I would think that Bill Guerin can't. I would think that Bill Guerin oh, is. Um, um, there's too. You, you know what? There's too many guys right now that look old. Flurry looks old. Goligoski looks old. Hartman. I'm telling you, that I'm shocked because some of his stuff is effort, and and they moved him to right wing, and he definitely got a spark and was improved. Partially because I think the responsibilities at right wing are less, um, and I don't know. I mean, he might be absolutely fine, but you know, you you've always talked about regression there because it's just not sustainable, really, yeah. from a common sense view. What he has done, and um, it look so. Here's the weird thing, just quickly off this. The weird thing with Hartman is, it looks like he finally woke up and looked around and said. I'm playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov. How's this possible? Like for a long time, I was like, "How can this guy be their top center?" But he would—he did a good job, and and like he didn't have to do a ton, but he's definitely did his job. And it's like this year he woke up and he's like, "Oh, uh, you know, oh boy, who am I? Pl- uh, how am I with these guys?" And like it looked like it's too much for him, and and so it's been really really weird. But yeah, this team just looks old right now. All right, weekend statements continue. Yep, thank you. Oh, you're good. I, I didn't call for this. Great production. This one's on PJ. I don't know how many of you, and we've sort of gone away from talking uh, Gopher football, which we which we gave a shot to when they were playing great before they lost to Purdue, and now Illinois, and actually a lot of you were excited by yeah, it. That, the, Our the, numbers the results, spiked. The results were really good. Really, Our really numbers good. spiked. You were all in. And you know what? We've all been slapped in the face. Uh, PJ Fleck, this one is on you, though. All right. So, you at home, you're undefeated. You're coming off a beatdown of Michigan State on the road. And now Michigan State just beat Wisconsin. And Michigan State's not great, but you beat them badly, and it was impressive. And so, you know what? As our friend Dan Chavis said yesterday, I jumped on the bandwagon because you did, Judd. And he's right. I did. I did. You play Purdue. You look awful. Now, Mo Ibrahim didn't play in that game. So I get that. Uh, But you looked unprepared. You looked terrible. It's at home. Purdue is not great. All right. That was disturbing. I jumped off quickly. 
Dan Chavis, I'm sorry about that. I jumped off the bandwagon at that point. But then I tuned in on Saturday to mm-hmm. watch, you know, what I thought, Declan, might be a, might be a come, you know, Illinois is a good school. They beat, or a, a good team. They beat you last year uh, with what was an inferior team, I think, to you. It was an impressive win. But you know what? This year was going to be different. You were going there. You were going to give it back to them. You had a week to prepare. What did you do during that week? Anything? Like they talked about the players wanted to practice. The players wanted to get back to the film. And yet, defensively, Joe Rossi, what's happened? Your defense was putrid. Oh, boy. Absolutely putrid. You got done defensively. Offensively? Um, I, I, I want to make this very clear. Tanner Morgan. All right. I think he was to speculation. I think he got concussed. He got punched in the side of yeah, the head. It, was... it went unflagged, which is which it shouldn't have been. Uh, I hope he's okay. Seems like a great kid. I hope he's fine. So for all of you on Twitter who are like, "This is the best thing," come on now. That's that's classless. That's classless. This is it, it, just don't do that. Um, that being said, before he got hurt, I mean, he deserved to be benched. You can't put up the stats that he was putting up and the way he's playing now. And we all thought that Kirk Soraka was the magic elixir to return to the fold, and he had unlocked Tanner uh, because the, because the uh, I think it's Mike Sanford, who's now at Colorado and actually is the head coach in one A game, and they stormed the field. You people are idiots. Um, but Tanner Morgan looked absolutely awful. He then got hurt. The freshman that came in to replace him clearly was not prepared to play. My guess is he's going to have to play on Saturday or Cole Kramer. I'm guessing that uh, that Tanner's not back for next week's game. But the point being is, Declan, this was awful. I mean, this is you are you are right now probably Motor City Bowl bound, oh god, or or Pinstripe Bowl, or just some stupid slappy bowl that's played nowhere near Jan one. Uh, PJ, this is on you, dude. You did a you did not have your team prepared. Their execution was awful. They they looked they they looked far more like Tim Brewster's Gophers than any Gopher team I had seen previous to that Purdue game. Yeah, when you're a quarterback, I know he got hurt, but when your quarterback has what 21 passing yards in, dude, that's unacceptable. And he's been here for like six years, for God's sakes. and just in general, the the also the abandonment of Mo Ibrahim too. It just it just seemed like their entire offensive game plan. Like if 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 Tanner was going to go down or just be ineffective, hand the ball off to probably the best running back in the Big Ten. What are you doing? But but you can't but but you can't pass. That's the problem. Like you have to have a threat of a passing game, right? Play action opens things up. Like that's where you get your big runs. That's where you. I mean, poor Mo. He's got to like his yards after contact is incredible. Because no one expects the Gophers can pass. And yes, the loss of Chris Ottman Bell is a big deal. I get that. But come on, 20, like 21 yards passing. You have nobody else that can catch the football. You do, but I mean, Tanner Morgan, the last two games, has looked like a guy who belongs at a small program. Yeah. And and I don't know, I don't know where we went from the Tanner is back because Soraka is back guy. To this, but I mean, this is brutal. This is absolutely terrible. And the kid being nice or not has nothing to do with the fact that that before he got hurt, he should have been benched. Yeah, I agree. he should have been benched. And I don't know if there's a capable replacement because the 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 redshirt freshman who came in, who was a one time four star recruit, 
Um, I don't, you know, he, he didn't look good either. Now he got thrown in in a tough situation. But all of that being said, this team looked awful. And defensively, I think that's my bigger shock. So Morgan regressing is disturbing. But my bigger shock is this. This defense looked turned around. Think about how good this defense looked. It looked fantastic. On Saturday, they were non-existent. Yeah, it was They were bad. really bad. They were really bad. Uh, Judd, do you have another gopher football-related statement? Because I have a college football observation and, and a bit of a, a self-evaluation to do. Okay, let's go ahead. So uh, I, have I have made it very clear to you and to the audience and to people around me, college football doesn't really do anything for me. Um, no, it, to it, a fault. It, it, it is a five-hour affair. I, I can't, as much as I love my football, I'm not going to do Saturday, Sunday of just parking myself on, on the couch and watching TV for all, all of that time. That's I just, it, 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 maybe one day I'll be like that, but right now in my life, I've never been someone who wants to do that. Getting That's up true. early for that, uh, you know, all the time either. I don't want to do that. Ross, Ross Brendel jokes, I'll see you at 8 a.m. at Stubb and Herbs for uh, the Gopher football game uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, I'll see you there, Roscoe. Um, but what I saw on Saturday was one of the coolest things. I've seen in a long time in college football. And that was the Tennessee Vols upsetting Alabama for the first time since 2007. And those crazy Tennessee fans storming the field, taking the goalposts, running, running it down Main Street, wherever the hell they were. I thought that that entire game was just incredible. And for Tennessee to get a big win against Alabama, roll tie, crimson tide, uh, their first win since 2007 and probably going to be vaulted right into the top three, top four teams in all of college football. It was incredible. So a little self-valuation. When it's like that, of course, I'm all in on college football. I can't I can't not turn my blind no, eye to that. We don't want you. We don't want you. You know why? Because you got to put up with the crap to see the great. And that game was <laughs> off the charts. I would argue that that is in the running for the best sporting event of 2022. It was up there, Any yeah. sport. Yeah. Any sport. Game of the year. Um, I mean, Bama had that game won, it looked like. The Vols came back, and that kick, that's one of the ugliest kicks I've ever seen. And it went in. And to see the celebration, and, and okay, so that is where storming the field, which cost the school a $100,000 fine, is worth it. Um, They took the goalposts and dumped them in the river, I guess. God. The whole thing was, but that is one of the greatest sporting events uh, that I've seen this year, period. Like that game back and forth. I can only imagine what our good, good friend and uh, uh, co-host of Purple Access, Chip Scoggins, who is a lifelong Tennessee Volunteers fan, was thinking and saying, I know he did tweet at one point, I think I'm going to throw up. And I don't think he was kidding. I don't think he was joking. Um, that game did a number on your heart if you weren't a fan. I can only imagine if you were a fan of either team what that game did. So yeah, I'm with you. But Declan, we don't want you because you can't selectively jump on on the train for that game. If you aren't going to show a little bit more and you don't need to meet Roscoe at 8 a.m. at Stubborn Herbs, all right? That's ridiculous. But if you're not going to embrace college football a little bit more and still be like, it's too long, blah, blah, you know what? Get away from that game because that's the reward. That game is the reward. The greatness of that game. God, it was fun. It was I awesome. mean, it was filled with flaws, but again, who cares? It's yeah, it's, it's, it's college football. Yeah, that's fine. That's wrong with that. All right. Can, can I give you at least one more weekend statement? Yes, sir. What do you got for me? 
My weekend statement is this. I've rekindled a romance. Okay. And that and that one is with baseball in the playoffs. <laughs> All right? Baseball in the playoffs. Um as people know, the twin season I think left our entire show very sour. Yes. Not just a Judd thing. Declan thing, I mean, hell, you bought your, your uh, 20 game plan. Uh, Phil melting down like we rarely see Phil melt down. And the postseason has rekindled my love for baseball. I know the games are long. And and I did attend the Kings wild game, so I missed the, the uh, extra inning marathon in which the Astros eventually eliminated the Mariners in what, like 15 or 16. But right. um, just in watching a ton of baseball, and just, it's so much fun. It's so much. It's so much fun to watch baseball. To me, again, I'm back. I'm back because I love th- those games. The last thing, go guards, go guards. I want the Guardians to beat the Yankees. <laughs> I love the guards. Uh, I love how you play baseball. New York is still stuck in Cleveland on Monday morning. They're playing what didn't work, and they had a deep plane. So uh, the, the no! lack of yeah, they're still like in Cleveland. So uh, this is could Cleveland be... gone. I assume so. I don't know. The but, Guardians got out. But yeah, yeah but this is uh, not good. Not good. But uh, baseball playoffs have been awesome. It, it's it's literally been phenomenal. The Padres-Dodgers game was great. Um, the fanfare and, and that was awesome, too. Yeah, this is... this. It, yeah, the it, Padres game. Did did you watch that on Saturday night? I watched the Friday night game. I didn't watch as much of the Saturday night game. I watched the end of the Saturday game. It's incredible. And, and, and I saw tweets, and folks... I am sorry that it, this does not take place here. I saw tweets saying what what that crowd is doing is what we want so bad here. Yeah. I mean, the Padres crowd. First of all, the game operations for the Padres crowd, I think it's done by the guy who might do the Cowboys game ops. So it's done more like a football game. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a lot more music, and they'll play. And, and like, it's really up-tempo. Um but that crowd was having so much fun. And I tweeted back. I tweeted back. I'd like to apologize because we had that. 87-91. But most of you weren't alive for that. No. We oh, my not. God. Dex, the, the atmosphere in San Diego off the charts. Beat L.A. Uh, Beat L.A. So much fun. And meanwhile, the Guardians are beating the Yankees. They've beat them twice. You're allowed to beat the Yankees. You're you allowed s- to. Do you see the Yankees' oh, playoff record uh, against teams not uh, uh, the record? Their not, playoff not record against not, not named the Twins. No. Do you but, see what no, this stat is? No. So this uh, was as of yesterday morning. I saw this. I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, basically, the Yankees are a below 500 team when playing teams not against the Twins since 2002. Uh, in their last 55 playoff games against teams other than the Twins, the Yankees are 22 and 33, well below 500. Whoa! Are you serious? In their last 55 playoff games against teams <laughs> other than the Minnesota Twins, the Yankees are 22 and 33. 22 oh. and 33. Hey, that's, oh my God. That is so depressing. It is. That is so depressing. Hey, b- before we we go to one thing, people on Twitter, back off Bob Costas. I, p- people are making fun of my guy Costas. Here's here's why they make fun of him. It's because even though he I I know what you mean. I I like him. He's fine, but he's just he's very dry. 
and it's boring and I don't think and a lot of fans just kind of think he's he doesn't he doesn't sound like he's enjoying himself being there. Seems like it, it, he's there not because he wants think, to be because he has to be. I think it's because we've become used to regional guys that scream now way yeah. too easily. Cuz Costas gets excited when you should. But I mean, go back and I know his tone was different. Go back and listen to Scully. Scully got excited when he should, but for the most part his cadence even. Costas's cadence even people that scream are not the norm i agree people that get all excited and scream about a ground ball to shortstop that carlos correa makes a routine play on are not the norm that's all i gotta say about that bob costas one of the greats of all time back all off people all I'm right sir you good here good on your weekend statements good anything else i'm yeah you know what play rossi here and if you're not going to play him send him down and play him don't be scratching marco rossi i don't want him eating popcorn by us it's useless to do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's it. That's it for me. All right, man. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment right here on this YouTube channel. Go check out Purple Daily, too. We have um, our hottest, strongest take for the Vikings being 5-1. and one. We have Realistic Randy. We have Before We Die with Jesse Pierce and Thor Nystrom. So plenty to get to on both channels on Purple Daily and Score North. And we'll be back tomorrow. Hit the subscribe button, and we'll see you then.